His grandmother was the one who loved him most. She was Osmond's mother, a Saxon of high birth. She lived in what was now her son's house, but it had been hers all her married life. Her Norman daughter-in-law, the Lady Eleanor, looked down on her as a mere Saxon. This was always noticeable, because though the old lady had learned to speak French from her girlhood when she was given in marriage to a Norman, she never spoke it like a Norman-born. She loved her son, and after him all her affection was for Roger. She told him the old Saxon legends and stories, in which often the Normans were the enemies and did not always get the best of it, and she told them in her native English which best suited their racy style. This had to be confidential between her and Roger, as the Lady Eleanor did not approve. In Norman families, French was the proper language. English was for the natives, the lower orders. But the grandmother, too, was proud of her birth, and she loved her native land as a conqueror never could. She taught Roger that he had famous Saxon ancestors, and that love of this particular place ran in his blood. Roger was the second son, eleven years old, just at the age to be most interested in the builders and their work. There is no stone in the Fenlands, so it had to be brought from a quarry in the Midlands. There it was loaded into barges and came down the river easily enough following the current. On arrival near the manor, it was loaded into carts and drawn by oxen to the site. Usually Roger spotted the barge as it appeared round the bend in the river far upstream, and he saw the unloading through with as much keenness as if he were in charge. The walls were built of rough stone, carefully bedded and fitted together, but the larger blocks were tooled on the spot to fit corners and window ledges and arches. The master mason was very tolerant with the lord's son, and perhaps he would have been with any boy. Roger was allowed to try his hand. He was shown how every stone has a grain like wood, and must be placed with the grain lying horizontally, or it will split. The mason handled the stone lovingly. "'There's good stone and bad stone,' he said. "'You could say it's living. Put your hand on a natural boulder warm in the sun. You can feel it's not dead, like bone, for instance. The sun makes no difference to bone.' Some pieces of stone are by nature bad. You can't do anything with them, and some are solid and loyal and will last forever. Besides that, stone takes something from what it is used for. I've got a piece here that's going into your wall. It didn't come from the quarry, but from a stone merchant. It came out of a little church that the Vikings burnt down. It has got a Saxon cross on it. I'm keeping it for the upper room. Usually, Roger spent the morning learning the arts of knighthood, for he would be a fighting knight when he grew up. He was dressed in imitation armour and stiff leather, and carried a wooden shield, and then on horseback practised the rudiments of the kind of fighting peculiar to knights. He would have to be a skilled and daring rider, and also to understand hawking. His sisters also rode and hawked, but demurely on led horses, for they sat sideways.
Now, in the commotion of building, they, poor girls, were kept indoors, spinning and weaving and embroidering with fine bone needles all the linen that would be needed for the grander house. They envied even the milkmaid who went out into the meadow at milking time, for cows were not brought into the byre, but, Norman fashion, the girl went out with a yoke across her shoulders and two wooden buckets, and sought out each of the cows scattered across the common to milk it where it stood. Unlike his sisters, Roger was at a loose end. When he had had his riding lesson and groomed his pony, he must find occupation for himself. The building had been going on for such a time that he was beginning to lose interest, but when at long last the builders reached the upper level, his enthusiasm was strongly revived. He was thrilled with the pulleys for lifting the large stones of the window heads into place. He longed to be allowed to be one of the team who hauled on the rope to raise them, to have a hand himself in making these windows, which seemed to him, who had hitherto known only small slots between wooden uprights, the most glorious, light-giving invention. He had seen them, of course, in the new church, but to have them in the house where he was to live was almost unthinkable. When he saw the first one in position in the still roofless wall, its arch and the two lights silhouetted against the sky, and a huge white cumulus cloud towering behind it, his heart leapt with pride. He could not always stay to watch these wonders, although he was not troubled with any school learning. His younger brother Edgar was at the abbey learning to read and write in Latin, and one in the family with this useful knowledge was considered enough. If Roger could ride, hawk, shoot, count, say his prayers, play his flageolet, and mind his manners, that was all that was required from the lord of the manor's second son. And of these, perhaps, manners were the most important. However, although the lord and his family did no manual work, his father expected Roger, as a youngster, to make himself useful in an emergency, and one of his occupations at the moment was watching over the flocks, because the shepherd's son, who would normally do it, was old enough to carry buckets and push barrows to help the builders. The Lady Eleanor disapproved, saying herding was work for serfs, not for an earl's grandson. But Osmond held that there was nothing degrading about it. It was a clean job, and it would get the boy away from bothering the builders. He'll learn more bad language from them than he will from the sheep. That's true, said his mother. He talks nothing but English now. Roger set off with his dog Watchet early in the morning, let the sheep out of the sheepfold, and passed the long hours as well as he could with piping, carving little boats with his knife, climbing trees, gathering herbs for his mother, or practising handsprings which he had seen acrobats doing at the midsummer fair. Nevertheless, a careful watch had to be kept, for there were buzzards that could carry away young lambs, and in the nearby woods and the more distant forest there were foxes, polecats, and wolves. Watchet could be relied upon to deal with the first two. Wolves seldom came except in hard winters, but if one did, Watchet would tackle it, and Roger would have to go for it with his knife or staff. He had never yet had to do this, but the thought of it gave him a sense of responsibility. He had followed a wolf hunt several times on his horse, he knew that wolves were only a wild kind of dog, and when it came to fighting, Watchet was as savage as any. The day seemed endless. 
Roger could hear in the distance the sounds from the builders, the masons rhythmically tapping hammers, commands shouted down from the walls, or his father's voice calling up from below. Then a babble of voices as they all stopped work for the midday meal. Roger ate his bread and goat's cheese and felt left out. Even the singing of a sky full of larks emphasising all the emptiness made him feel lonelier. However, the afternoon was enlivened by a fight between Watchet and a stray dog. This was springtime and dogs were roaming. At the sight of this guilty and furtive truant, Watchet's neck and back rose in bristles and he went instantly into action. The sheep scattered and then gathered into a group to watch with surprise a battle between their masters. It lasted some time, first furiously noisy, and then in deadly silence, as each dog had its mouth full of the other. It is said that the dog on its own ground always wins. In the end, the intruder limped off, and watch it, blooded from tattered ears and a ripped shoulder, returned with a panting happy grin and bright eyes to Roger, having enjoyed himself greatly. In the late afternoon, the shepherd came to look over the flock and see that all was well. His dog Beth and Watchet were mates. Beth examined the signs of battle, and Watchet boasted. The shepherd would spend the night there near the fold, keeping watch beside his bonfire. Roger was free to go home. As he neared the house, he saw that another window had been finished. Two splendid windows now in the west wall— the stone coloured rose by the setting sun. The builders had a settlement of huts in the nearest field, where at night they sat around the fire and told stories about their travels, for stone builders were few and journeyed far along the waterways. Men from the village joined them to hear their news and gossip, and Roger, when he could slip away from the family, loved to sit and listen. The talk was of robbers.